And with that, we welcome you inside of Studio 34. This is the BFFs. I am Greg Sussman. He is Frank Stanfall. What's happening, Frankie? Greggy, happy hump day, man. We got a lot going on in the world of baseball. Mookie Betts trade last night. We do. And we also have a phenomenal guest. Who am I? Forget about me, dude. You're my friend. Best friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, say, but, but our guest is more important. I don't want to forget about you. Our guest is more important. That's very nice of you. Welcome For back sure. to the program. Nick Pollock of Pitcher List. What's up, Nick? What is happening? It is so nice to be back here with you guys. It is wonderful to have you back here. It's wonderful to have you uh, back talking baseball. The, the Pitcher's List was released today. It, it, it happened. It's real. The top 20 <laughs> pitchers, according to Nick Pollock, it, it's up. It's live, Frank. It is live, and not only that, we have uh, PitcherList 5.0 really uh, just in a a new era for PitcherList as well. New so, logo. Nick, tell us all about uh, everything that you've got going on over at PitcherList. Oh, man. Uh, it's such an exciting day. Yeah, we have a brand new website. Uh, we showcase that we actually are investing in a pitch-type leaderboard. We essentially got granular data, and we're going to be doing things across the next year of just showcasing that data to uh, so many different levels. We're really excited about it. But yeah, amazing player pages, of course. We have an ebook coming out next week for those that are part of our Pitcher Plus. Uh, Plus. Uh, it's just so exciting. It's such a wonderful site. Baseball and I'm just so excited for the next year. Back. Yeah. It is real. It is live. We're going to break it down with Nick Pollock. we got our State of the Union as well. It's going to be a fun BFF show. But first, here's Alex Fasano with your Sports Grid News Update. Sports Grid News Update. I am Alex Fasano with your Sports Grid News update here on the Fantasy BFFs. In Major League Baseball, the Boston Red Sox agree to trade outfielder Mookie Betts and pitcher David Price to the Los Angeles Dodgers. The trade includes a third team, the Minnesota Twins, and his pending medical reviews. The Red Sox will send Betts and Price to the Dodgers. The Dodgers will send pitcher Kenta Maeda to the Twins, outfielder Alex Verdugo to the Red Sox, and the Twins will send a pitching prospect to Boston. After news of the trade, Caesar Sportsbook said Dodgers World Series odds went from 7-1 to 4-1. To win the National League pennant, it moved from plus 300 to plus 150. The Red Sox odds to win the World Series went from 20-1 to to 25 to 1. Not long after this trade went public, the Dodgers traded outfielder Jock Peterson to the Los Angeles Angels for infielder Luis Rengifo. Peterson hit 249, 36 home runs, and 74 RBIs last year. He becomes a free agent next season, but until then, he joins an Angels outfield that features Justin Upton and Mike Trout. 
Another top story, Pete Rose is using the Astros debacle to ask for reinstatement. Rose reached out to Commissioner Robert Manfred on Wednesday morning to remove his name from Major League Baseball's ineligible list. In a petition sent to Manfred's office, Rose's lawyers state that his lifetime ban is vastly disproportionate when compared with Major League Baseball's punishments of players who took performance-enhancing drugs and the players involved in the sign-stealing schemes by the 2017 Houston Astros. A quote from the petition, There cannot be one set of rules for Mr. Rose and another for everyone else. No objective standard or categorization of the rules violations committed by Mr. Rose can distinguish his violations from those that have incurred substantially less severe penalties. I'm Alex Fasano, and this has been your Sports Grid News Update. Now back to the Fantasy BFFs. And there you have it. I know you heard it in the update. Alex Fasano is excited for us to talk about Mookie Betts and the trade that happened last night. Alex just broke it down for you. I can't say we were shocked, Frank. We talked... Uh, yesterday to Dan Shaughnessy, right? Who was like, listen, this trade could happen at any time. It's a matter of when, not if. That when was just literally several hours later when Mookie Betts headed to the Dodgers. And yet, I, I feel like the Dodgers didn't, didn't give anything up. How do they continue to do this, Craig? How do they continue Ridiculous. to make these trades and make these things happen? Uh, we were texting back and forth last night, and we came to the conclusion, everybody could have come to this conclusion, the Dodgers essentially gave up Kenta Maeda and Alex Verdugo. For Mookie Betts and David Price, Uh a former MVP and a former Cy Young Award winner. Granted, I know David Price is not the pitcher that he once was. So Matt Modica actually tweeted out uh, the stats of the last three years of Maeda and David Price. Very similar. So it's very similar pitchers. So it's like fine, like same level. So basically they traded Alex Verdugo for Mookie Betts. There's nothing wrong with that, right, Greg? I'm sure everybody in in baseball would sign up for that, especially the Red Sox. Absolutely. I'll have more on the Red Sox uh, in a moment in my State of the Union. It's coming up in about six minutes from now. Uh, But, Nick, I got to throw this to you uh, with what's going on. What's going on? What's happening? How is this happening? (laughs) Yeah, it's really nuts. Uh, It's obviously a situation the Red Sox wanted to get rid of the salary of David Price. But what's kind of crazy is that they're still paying, I believe, for half of David Price's contract next year. So it's $16 million of David Price, which means he needs to be above a two-war player next year, which he's actually done the last two years. And that includes both injured seasons, where he's only had 42 combined, sorry, 52 combined starts. That's nuts to me. I think David Price is actually really, really good uh, for a fit in, uh, in L.A. I'd say about 170, 180 innings should be expected from Price. And that should be really, really good quality, especially considering that Maeda was like 150, 160. And you didn't even know when he would start because he had what we call Dodgeritis. So I'm actually really excited about this move for the Dodgers. It stinks if you're a Red Sox fan losing bets and all, but we kind of knew this was coming. I think I think what Nick is saying, Frankie, makes sense, right? Like you look at the Dodgers rotation, and we're always trying to figure out who's going to start. Well, I mean, it was in the lineup for a while, also, but in the rotation too. Right now, you you know Clayton Kershaw starting, you know David Price is starting, you know Walker Buehler starting. Like these three guys, you can lock them in for close, maybe not up there, but close to two hundred innings. Like these guys are going to start every five days, and you lose a guy in Ross Stripling, who I definitely want to ask Nick about later on in the show. But you lose a guy in Ross Stripling who is one of these other guys. And you have Alex Wood, who's going to start until he goes on the DL, IL, whatever. You're going to have a man, Dustin May, in the same spot. Ginger God. Julio Urias, same thing, same spot. 
Jimmy and Nelson. How can you forget Jimmy Nelson? Pig Craig? Jimmy Nelson. Our favorite. One of the ones I got right last year. <laughs> one of the few. <laughs> you know what? I'll take it when I got him. But Jimmy Nelson was certainly one of those guys last year that also is going to make a few starts for this team. But eliminating one in Ross Stripling and getting a surefire, and eliminating two rather, in Ross Stripling and Kenton Maeda and getting one surefire thing in David Price. Not surefire that he's going to be great, but surefire that he's going to start. I think it's huge. It's, it's, it's awesome. But... Frank, the question that we had yesterday, and you were asked uh, on FST, Mookie Betts, there were a lot of questions where he would land, what do we do with his fantasy value? Well, now you know where he is. He's in L.A., Chavez Ravine, hitting probably first or second, I would say, in the Dodgers' order. Does anything happen to his value? No, I think it should go back to where it was. I said this all along. I don't know why Mookie Betts was dropping down draft boards. Is it crazy that two teammates are going to go back-to-back inside the top five? No, it's not crazy at all. Well, it's crazy from like a baseball perspective. Right. Like, why are these guys on the same team, right? With Mookie Betts and Cody Bellinger. But Mookie Betts should undoubtedly be a top five pick. Unless, of course, you want one of the aces. But that's a conversation we'll get into a little bit later on. But I think that Mookie Betts, look, he's done it for longer than Cody Bellinger. He's been a legit five-category contributor for years now. I don't really see how that's going to change. He's led the ML, all of MLB in runs scored in back-to-back seasons. 295 batting average last season. I actually think that there's positive regression coming his way. He had a 311 expected batting average last season as well. Uh, the 43% hard contact last year was right in line with his hard contact from 2018 when he hit like 346 and just went absolutely bananas. So I think that he's going to hit close to 30 home runs. He's going to score over 100 runs. He's probably going to give you 75 to 80 RBIs. Maybe if he bats second, that goes up a little bit. And he's probably still going to give you 15 to 20 stolen bases. I don't think the Dodgers are going to try and you know tell Mookie Betts, oh, you can't run anymore. I think they're going to let him be the player that he is. And with all that, I think that he should be a top five pick. And yesterday you asked me this question, Greg, and I was a little bit iffy over it. Betts or Bellinger? Give me Mookie Betts. He's done it for longer than Cody Bellinger. Uh, And again, five-category contributor. Nick, same for you. Mookie Betts versus Cody Bellinger. Yeah, that's interesting. It really depends on your draft style, honestly. Uh, Bellinger versus Betts. I mean, Betts is the safer pick, right? Everything you just outlined right now, uh, Frank. Yes, 30 home runs, 15, 20 stolen bases, near 300 average should be at the top of the run leaderboards. It's really, really safe, just in the same way that we still take Mike Trout at number one. I personally do that. I understand why going for Acuna, but I just want that rock at the start. And Bellinger is a little bit more of a question. Uh, I, I just don't like how violent his swing is. It just seems so, I don't know, so rhythm focused as opposed to a consistent performance that I do wonder if we're going to see a step back from Bellinger. Uh, that being said, I mean, I understand the fun of Cody Bellinger, right? You are drafting for fantasy baseball. This is supposed to be something that's super fun. Bellinger is one of those unbelievably special guys that you just get so amped for. Not to say that Betts isn't, but he's a little bit safer. Bellinger, I could see, has that higher ceiling. If you really want to chase that, then you go Bellinger. I'm going Mookie Betts. I told you this yesterday. I stick by my man Mookie. Later on in the show, and we'll come up in just a few minutes, we'll talk about Alex Verdugo and what he means to the Boston Red Sox and what uh, his value will be. We'll talk about Kenta Maeda on the Minnesota Twins. On the Minnesota Twins. On the Minnesota Twins and what his value will be. Jock Peterson of the Angels as well and a whole pitching breakdown. We only got one hour to do it. We'll make the most of it. Coming up next, my State of the Union on the Boston Red Sox. Stick around. 
Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Fantasy Best Friends Forever, live on the SportsGrid TV network. And host of the Fantasy BFFs, Greg Sussman, is here with the State of the Union regarding the Boston Red Sox. Thank you so much, Frank. Thank you so much to everybody here watching and uh, joining us here for our State of the Union. I know there will be random applause. There will be some boos. There will be some walkouts. That's okay, because I am here to only tell you the truth. Because that's what I do. I honestly am here, excuse me, to tell you the truth. And the fact is, the Boston Red Sox, they were once a proud organization. One of the model organizations of Major League Baseball. But here today, on February 5th, in front of a nation, I tell you that the Boston Red Sox are cowards. They are losers. And they are pathetic. Now, I don't just say that as someone from the opposite party. I say that as someone that is a true baseball fan. Baseball is better when the Red Sox are good. Baseball is better when the rivalry is at its strongest. What the Red Sox did late last night in trading away their 27-year-old MVP, that's something the Mets would do. And it doesn't get any worse than doing what the Mets would do. You see, I understand if you didn't think you could re-sign him. But that should never be the case with the Boston Red Sox. This is a team that is owned by not a millionaire, a billionaire. And he wants to get under the luxury tax? Why? So he saves money? You're a billionaire! I don't need you to donate more money into whatever you donate money to. You need to re-sign your best player. One of the best players in baseball. I hate when owners tell us how cash-strapped they are. No owner's cash-strapped. Because you wouldn't own a Major League Baseball team if you were cash-strapped especially the Boston Red Sox. Do you know who who has the highest ticket sales in the majors? Sold out every game with the most expensive ticket? It's the Boston Red Sox. You went out and you had Dave Dombrowski as your general manager. Why did you have Dave Dombrowski? Because you were sick of what Ben Sherrington did. He was penny-pinching because Theo Epstein spent too much money. So he traded everybody away to the Dodgers. And then you lost. So you had Dave Dombrowski come in and buy all new toys. You won a World Series. And now you're like, oh my God, it's costing too much money. But I'm a billionaire. And I don't want to spend this much money. 
Again, I'm a billionaire. But I don't want to spend too much money. So you have them trade everybody away again. Not everybody. Only your best player. One of the best players in the major because you weren't sure you're going to resign him and you needed to get something better. But what did you get for the best one of the best players in baseball? What did you get? Well, you saved four hundred million dollars. Fantastic. You get Alex Verdugo, fine player. A pitching prospect could be great. Could be terrible. You got that for one of the best players in baseball. And you don't care that the fans are upset. What you have shown on February 4th when you made the trade is you don't value 2020. You know what? The Yankees are too good. The Yankees are too good. We don't, we don't, we're not going to win anyway. Let's trade away one of our top two starting pitchers. Let's trade away our best player. But we'll keep Jackie Bradley Jr. We'll keep Christian Vasquez. They don't make much money. And we'll be able to reset the luxury tax and we'll be able to make a path forward for the future. Well, you know what? As a fan of baseball, I don't care about your path forward for the future. You know why? Because it hasn't changed. You are a billionaire. You had money whether you signed Mookie Betts for $200 million or $300 million or $400 million. It doesn't matter. You have plenty of money. The Boston Red Sox, thanks to Nesson, print money. But still, you're going to turn this on Mookie. He was greedy. He wanted to test free agency. What if he left Boston? Well, you know what? If you make him the best offer, he's not going to leave Boston. If you pay the man his money, as Teddy KGB said, he wouldn't have left. You know why Garrett Cole's a Yankee today? Not because he was a childhood Yankee fan who held up a sign that said Yankee forever. Not because he's always been here. Because the Yankees offered him the most money. And that's what the Red Sox should have done with Mookie Betts. The state of the Boston Red Sox is pathetic. That's the state. That's where they're going. And that's what they are. Thank you, America. God bless you. God bless America. And God bless all of Major League Baseball. Woo! Any questions from the gallery? Well, Greg, I have to ask you this. When it comes to Alex Verdugo, you might have the second coming of Michael Brantley. Does that mean nothing? Let me check my notes. Next question. Nick. Well, I just got to say, I, you know, they are saving so much money. It, isn't that a great thing? They are really looking forward towards the future. And hey, you know what? This season, yeah, they weren't going to get that reliever. They didn't get that reliever last year that they needed. You know, Mookie Betts, you know, he wasn't going to sign. They got something for it, right? <laughs> this is how I feel. This is what this speech is. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable what the Red Sox are doing. Let me go back to your question, sir. Even though I don't respect you as a news organization, with Alex Verdugo, you are getting a fine player. A, a former fine player. top prospect. Sorry? A fine player. He is a fine player. A controllable player. A young, controllable that's player. That's what it is, sir. He's controllable. And that's all that matters to the new Red Sox. The Red Sox don't have Mookie Betts for six years. They have Alex Verdugo. Fantastic. Is Alex Verdugo Mookie Betts? Who's to say he can't be? Is that true? 
No. Okay. <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> I, I, I didn't think so. But Alex Verdugo is a nice player. Nick, where where do you think Alex Verdugo now goes? I'm going to throw him back to you. Mr. Everyone always asks me the questions, and I'm the smartest one here. But let me ask you a question, sir. Where is Alex Verdugo going to go in drafts now that he's a member of the Red Sox? I mean, not that high, honestly. Uh, I would. I think we just did a draft this morning with the staff, and I think it was around the 15th round or so, 16th in a 12-team or standard league. I'm not too thrilled about it. Uh, maybe he hits leadoff. That's where re- roster resource has him right now. That would be nice, and that actually would be a nice little steal there if it is in the 15th round. Um, considering there aren't really too many great outfielders to go for at that point in the draft. And it's still, honestly, Devers, Bogarts, J.D. Martinez are still there. So he should get a good amount of runs if he is there in that lineup. Uh, I'm curious to see what will happen in the course of the next couple of weeks. I honestly think like right now people are just too shell-shocked to actually consider where they should be drafting Verdugo. I feel like the only reason that roster resource has him at leadoff spot is that they just crossed out Mookie Betts' name in right field and put in <laughs> Alex Verdugo's name in right field. That's what I expect out of re- roster resource. Next question. Roster Resource does a great job here, Greg, so we're not going to throw them under the bus, but I think that Alex Verdugo is either going to bat first or fifth for the Boston Red Sox. Right now, a 231 NFBC ADP. This guy's a steal, man. He is going to move up, I will say it right now, he'll move up 50 spots. He'll be going inside the top 175 come March. Maybe even higher than that. Alex Verdugo, is he now a hype guy? I would say so. Now, Matt Modica has been the highest on Alex Verdugo forever. Since I've known the guy, he has loved Alex Verdugo. He's the one we got to check with, Frank. We should, we should call Matt. We got to call Matt Modica to we, find we, out. We, we, need to, we need to call Matt. Can someone get me, Matt? Unbelievable. I what do I want to pay you people. This is, this is ridiculous. This is, this is outstanding. Uh, but, Greg Sussman, yes, if you yes. would allow me to make a comment on Alex Verdugo. Well, keep, I, I would, I would keep like it to, brief. I would like to uh, defend the Red Sox and Alex Verdugo right now. Keep it brief. Uh, all right, all right. Here's what I will say. He's never had an opportunity to play every single day. Wrong. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's right. <laughs> Fake news. His splits are phenomenal. As a left-handed batter last year against lefties, 327, 843 OPS. Witch hunt. 281 batting average, 807 OPS versus righties. Give me a young left-handed bat who puts the ball in play, just a 13% strikeout rate last year, who can handle himself against lefties and righties, who's either going to lead off or bat fifth for the Boston Red Sox. So that means you're either getting someone who's going to score 80 or 90-plus runs or drive in 80 or 90-plus RBI, and you're currently getting him outside the top 200. I'm here to make the case for Alex Verdugo. Verdugo, I'm all in. Listen, I don't, I don't dislike Alex Verdugo. I'm not the anti-Verdugo guy. I'm a man of the people here. That's why I was elected into this position as host of the BFFs. Not at the price that they paid. Certainly not at the price that they paid for young Alex Verdugo. But there was so much more because the Dodgers are just helping us out here, Nick, because they trade away Alex Verdugo. They trade away Jock Peterson. I want to get to that coming up. And now it's like, all right, I kind of see how this works now because you got Cody Bellinger in center. You got Mookie Betts in right. You got Chris Taylor in left. Are the Dodgers making things easier for us for once? Yeah, right. I mean, all they do is you just get these great players and then don't play them enough. It, I mean, it's Dodgeritis for starters. We had to deal with Kenta Maeda, who's now in Minnesota, and maybe that's all right. And I will say this about Price, going back to that too, is that he doesn't have the, the same innings contract 
that Maeda did. So we should be seeing more innings from him this year. But yeah, Jack Peterson leaving. He was just a platoon guy before. And now, guess what? Rasta Resource has him leading off for the Angels. And that could be really interesting when you have Trout in there too. You have a healthy Upton. You have Shohei Otani on Let top of that. And Rendon. You, could here, be very Nick. interesting. Quick question for you. Who would you rather have, Jock Peterson or Alex Verdugo? I would go Verdugo. All right, go Alex Verdugo. You can hit righties and lefties. When we come back, I have given my State of the Union. I am done. Nick Pollock has not. His pitcher list is out today, his top 20 pitchers. His state of starting pitching comes your way next. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Right back here, BFFs. Nick Pollock joining the program today. The pitcher list, his top 20 pitchers are out and about right now. He's going to explain what's going on with the state of starting pitching as we welcome in for the state of starting pitching, the Honorable Nick Pollock. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, the state of starting pitching is that it's super, super weird. We have four guys at the very top who are old and they're really good. We have Cole DeGrom, Verlander, Scherzer. You you want to feel like you have to go with one of them because you have the next tier that have warts. You're not supposed to see warts until you see like the 20th, 25. No, every single guy from my five all the way past that have warts. You have Bueller, who we don't know if he has the secondary stuff to really be an elite strikeout guy. It's just a fastball and good, but not excellent secondary stuff. You have Mike Clevenger. Well, that slider was not as good as we thought and it was just a really good fastball. So you have so many weird guys. You have tons of injury guys coming back. Sale, uh, Snell, Kluber, Carrasco, Severino. How are we supposed to draft those? We don't know. It is a complete sea of questions and enigmas this season, but it's okay. We're going to be fine. You don't need to go after those top four. There are so many good options later on in your drafts that you can wait six, seven rounds even before you get your first starter and feast. You can have teams with four to five of these 15 to 35 starting pitchers, ranked starting pitchers, and be an amazing team with a great offense and amazing starting rotation. So don't fret. We're going to get through this together. It's going to be a fun year of excitement. Fantastic, fantastic stuff, Nick. Uh, uh, quick question, quick question over here. Oh, yes, please, Greg. Ah, fantastic. So I, I checked out your, your pitcher list over uh, at, at Pitcher List, and I, I noticed that uh, you in your top four, uh, the first two pitchers there, sorry, I'm a little nervous, are, are Garrett Cole <laughs> and, and Jacob deGrom. Um, but you did say that you, you weren't going to pick anybody in those four, uh, including no. those two, and I was just a little confused um, how that works. Yeah, so I personally believe that the uh, the value you get from hitters, especially early on, that hitting floor is so valuable to have. And I get, I get, you want to get Cole, man. I have him, I have him uh, projected for 200 innings and a 36 percent strikeout rate, two eight year, right? All that stuff. It's wonderful. 
But man, you can get so much value later on if you go for guys like, I don't know, Corey Kluber and Carlos Carrasco and you Darvish. Uh, you can get Zach Wheeler, Zach Gallen. Uh, even even Aaron Nola has fallen a little bit outside my personal top 20. And I've seen him actually fall a good amount in some drafts. There is so There are so many options for you to go for pitchers later on that you don't need to pass by all those stud hitters early. Look, when it gets to be the eighth, 10th round or so, you're going to compare the quality of starter to the quality of hitter. And it's vastly different. Why should you be overlooking those stud hitters for that security of Jacob deGrom and Justin Verlander when you can get all these great pitchers much later on? So for me, I am not going to be touching that top four. I think you should be waiting. Frank, I, I have to go to you here. My, my colleague in arms, uh, you have been on record saying, listen, you give me the Sixth overall pick. Hell, yesterday you said you were going to take Jacob DeGrom, Garrett Cole before Mookie Betts. You're walking that back a little bit. But after those top five are gone, you've been on record pounding the table. I'm taking Garrett Cole. I'm taking Jacob DeGrom. I want one of these top two studs this year. Hell, in our auction coming up in just a matter of weeks, you said, we're spending up. We're spending Oh, God, we're, we're, we could be changing the plan now. We're talking to Nick. We're spending up. <laughs> what? How do you feel about what he said? Is your mic on? Jesus, unbelievable. This Here's is what I will I, I say. I apologize for my comment. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Greg. I'm, I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous to be here. But here's what I, I will say. Uh, to me, personally... I feel like the starting pitchers that are going in rounds two to three, and again, you can listen to Nick and wait until round six or seven if you are confident in Kluber and Carrasco. Uh, get one of those guys as your SP1 or SP2. But I feel like the starting pitchers that are going in the round two to three range are overvalued or just have massive question marks with guys like Chris Sale and Blake Snell. Uh, and to me, I don't have as many question marks when it comes to Jacob deGrom and Garrett Cole. Now, I do know that you put your rankings out for uh, head-to-head five-by-five, so head-to-head categories leagues, Nick. Correct. Would yeah. this change if you are playing in a roto league say uh like an nfbc league a 15 team roto hell even a 12 team roto would your mindset change there would you be more willing to uh build your foundation uh, of starting pitching with one of these first round guys because i have been on record saying i want one of these players specifically because i do not trust the pitchers that are going in the round two to three range to me i think they're personally uh overvalued so in roto leagues I have no problem paying up for one of these first round starting pitchers. Does that change for you in Roto at all? Yeah, this is great. So I, I, I totally agree that in that third round, everyone's like, oh man, I just missed out on Verlander or Scherzer. And they go straight for Bueller, straight for Clevenger. And there definitely is a gap there. So the value of third round is certainly no way. That's not right. I I will say the only situation I would be going for that top four guys is if I'm in uh, if I'm at the top of the draft at the end of the second round and Scherzer or Verlander are still around. I've seen that a couple of times and that's really good value. I would take that. Asking about Roto for 12 teamers. No, honestly, I feel like there is enough uh, volume you can get later on that it's not necessary to get that foundation with pitching. Because again, it's not about I don't like that foundation. It's just that I feel that it's more necessary in hitting. The more drafts I do, it gets there's a massive cliff that hits in drafts where it's just really hard to find good value later in drafts. At the same time with pitching, there are a lot of players that can leapfrog up and have immense impact on your fantasy teams through the year. I find myself getting too many starters because I, I just that's where the value lies later in the draft. So by going for that Colt DeGrom, you're you're not making uh, you're not giving yourself the opportunity to get that value later on either. So it's just not the right balance for me at the moment. And that's why I'm overlooking them. Yeah, you know, uh, again, Greg Sussman here. Uh, yes, BFFs. Greg, I, I appreciate you taking my question 
uh, again here, Nick. Um, he kind of has me, Frank. I, I kind of feel like he's right. Does it change your mind at all? Uh, I haven't changed my mind yet. Uh-huh. Perhaps after I ask this upcoming question, I because just, I knew I should be here I, for yeah, this. Yeah, I, I knew I should. You just, know. Greg, just step out. You know, you could just leave the show for today. Uh, he's probably going to walk right in front of the camera like he always does. He was. He says he was not. I don't believe him. I was not, but now I'm going to. Now he is going to. You brought up Corey Kluber and Carlos Carrasco as someone that you yeah. can build as your foundation pieces in fantasy baseball this year. To me, there are so many question marks regarding these guys. And here comes Greg Sussman trying to poke his head in front of my camera. But when it comes to Corey Kluber... Age 34 season, it feels like the Cleveland Indians basically gave him up for nothing here, Nick. Uh, and then obviously the circumstances regarding Carlos Carrasco last year, uh, it was awesome to see him return to the mound, obviously dealing with leukemia. Uh, you know, it was it was a great story for him to just get back on the field. Uh, but I just feel like there's still a lot of question marks uh, regarding his health heading into this season. Uh, and we've also started to see the surface numbers for these guys take a step back. Do you see something underlying for both of these guys that gives you confidence uh, in putting them inside your top 20? And there goes Greg Sussman again. <laughs> okay, so uh, so Kluber and Carrasco are at 17 and 19 for me. I actually think the best value you can get is you Darvish, who for me is at 14. There's also Severino at 13. I th- This is really, I mean, I, I should have mentioned this in the state of pitching. It's a, it's a case where we have all of these pitchers a year ago that were being coveted inside the top 15 easily. But the only thing that's different between now and then is that they had an injury. You know, Corey Kluber got a, a line drive that hit his forearm and fractured it, and then he hurt his oblique as he tried to rush back. That was his 2019 season. Yes, April was bad. It's always bad. And it always gets better as the season goes on. He still has an amazing cutter, an amazing breaking ball. Corey Kluber, Corey Kluber is going to be fantastic inside of the Rangers. He should go 200 innings. There's no reason why he shouldn't of quality all the way through. Carrasco, yes, it is a big question about health. And I made this ranking being like, we have to assume that it all is good. And he obviously would be starting if he is healthy. Carrasco is in the same boat. I mean, if he wasn't uh, wasn't uh, sick with leukemia, then he would have a successful season. There, There's no reason to think otherwise. There's no, I can't really put too much stock in any sort of peripheral change or anything because, I mean, the guy wasn't himself, clearly. Uh, you also have Luis Severino here. Severino, I have him at 13. And th- what's nuts about that is that he was actually continuing from his massively good uh, 2017 season, 2018, and then the end of that year, he went through a little bit where he lost the slider a bit, and then we were hoping to get uh, answers in 2019. And then he hurt his rotator cuff, and that was that. But he was still throwing gas at the end. He actually had a game in September where it was his first game back and they saw that his velocity dipped in the third inning to like 93, 94. And Boone was like, all right, I'm going to pull you because I don't want to risk anything. So everyone's like, no, no, I got this. Someone back out and had like 97 on the gun. Just be like, I'm fine. It's OK. Severino is still the same guy. And last year I had him ranked in the top 10 because, yeah, that was what he was until, of course, he got hurt. So you have so much value to take on people that are worried about this stuff and they needed the security of the top four. But outside of just saying, okay, they got hurt last year, so they're going to be hurt this year. I mean, it's really, it's really a small percentage of, okay, they got hurt last year than this year, as opposed to other guys. I mean, I see Strasburg. Strasburg's always been hurt, but last year was the first year that he had 200 plus innings. 
And I mean, he's nine, nine, but at the same time, we're just kind of ignoring all that for one year. And this never really locks up like that. You know, it's never just, oh, they're hurt this one year. So they're always hurt now, or they're never hurt. And then they don't get hurt necessarily. So I'm not really buying the whole argument that, oh, they had this injured season. So now they're nothing. I mean, Chris Sale and Blake Snell are there too. Those are incredible values too. So there's just a lot to take in there. And Kluber and Carrasco, they have the talent to be, yeah, a good rock for you. Are they going to be an ace? Like, Cole and DeGrom, no. But nevertheless, if you get four of these guys around here, you are going to enjoy the season. Kluber and Carrasco are huge wild cards this year, Greg, because if they can return to what they once were, I mean, we're talking about a mid-three ERA, close to or if not over 200 strikeouts, and you're getting those guys in the middle rounds. They have the ability to really be the X factor for fantasy baseball this season. You, you notice Nick Pollock brought up Severino. Yeah. He didn't mention Noah Syndergaard. Uh-uh. Interesting. Hey, I guess he'll just keep asking questions about I don't even know what I'm doing here. I know what Nick Pollock's doing here. He's giving us the state of starting pitching. That continues after this. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. state of the union continues. Frank, are you shaking your head? Did you not like? Oh, I love it. No, I love the state of the union. I just saw that we had the FanDuel Sportsbook up coming back from break. Sure. And some guy with not a lot of hair just walk in front of the camera. It was interesting, to say the least. That sounds about right. (laughs) Sounds about right. Uh, You're a frequent member of the sportsbook now. How how do you like being there? How do you like hanging out there? Uh, Honestly, it's awesome being able to uh, place bets whenever I want to now. Uh, but you you definitely see some interesting cats over at the FanDuel Sportsbook. It's a good time. I'm glad you're having a fun. We're joined by Nick Pollock today of the pitcher list, and Frank alluded to it because we talked about it before we went on the air, and we went through your top 20 starting pitchers, and uh, we didn't see Noah Syndergaard, and I was saying how I really like the idea of, and you mentioned the, the, this Luis Severino tier and some of these bounce-back candidates, Corey Kluber, but I really like the idea of Noah Syndergaard because he kind of fits the model of what we're trying to do, right? He fits the model of a player that I feel like could be an ace, but, like, maybe not, right? Like, if things go right, he has that ability. And I didn't see Syndergaard inside your top 20. How close was he to making it, and why didn't he get there? So I, so I have a term on the site called a P's, which is poor execution, awesome stuff. And Syndergaard is exactly that. Uh, he has this unbelievable slider and change up that misses so many bats and the curveball and whatever. But what he does with all of it is so stupid. It's ridiculous. I'm sorry. It's uh, Wilson Ramos sets up away about thigh high and he hits that spot and then batters can just put out the bat and hit it. His approach with all this stuff is just not what it should be. And what's even crazier is that I was talking with someone that I uh, on the inside that was telling me that Noah Syndergaard does not put his fingers on the ball consistently with every pitch. And what that means is essentially he's throwing a slider one way, one pitch, and then a slider another, the next one, which explains so much of the inconsistency that he has. Um, and as a former pitcher, hearing that, it just blows my mind. Like you needed everything you do with pitching is consistency. 
And if you're not gripping the ball the same way every single time you throw it, it well, it's just not going to do the same thing every single time. And on top of that, we have this 121 whip from 2018, 123 from 2019. I don't think that's going to change. His hit per nine has been above 8.5 both times because it's a bad defense behind him with the Mets. He's always had Babips above 300. We're waiting for Syndergaard really to take that leap. He dropped in swing strike rate down to 12.5%. With his stuff, you don't think that it should be like that. But the way he uses it and the way that he's so inconsistent with it all, he just kind of throws it into the zone. He's not a real pitcher. I don't believe that Syndergaard is going to ever really be that arm we want him to be until he leaves the Mets. It's just it's just not what I think is going to happen. I think actually the better pitcher this year is going to be Zach Wheeler. Because he's going away from the Mets and going to Philly with Real Muto is going to be such a benefit to him. And it's just a different philosophy there. I think it's just never going to be the guy that we want him to be. And I, I'm going to trust other guys instead. Now, it's actually my follow-up question was if you'd rather have Zach Wheeler than Noah Syndergaard. Where is Zach Wheeler on your, on your pitcher list at the moment? I saw the NFBC. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know if we're allowed to reveal anything past the top 20. <laughs> I mean, come on. That's... I'm a reporter, Frank. I ask the tough questions. This is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to He's get information close. here. He's close to the top He's 20, close. Nick? He's close. To, I, was, I was tempted. I had Giolito at 20, and there are about a couple guys that I was thinking about putting uh, at 20. Wheeler was one of them. So when it comes to Noah Syndergaard, the question that I actually pose on Twitter is, is he actually a good pitcher, or do we just want him to be a good pitcher? Is that a, is that a fair evaluation of Noah Syndergaard? Is that a fair question? Oh, definitely, because I say he's a thrower, not a pitcher, right? He's not someone who's crafty. He's not someone who's going to go up and in with a four-seamer, then down away with a slider, then, you know what, it's 2-0. I'm going to throw a nice change up right under the zone and get you to chase, and then do a curveball as you're waiting for heat. And you're still waiting for heat, and then it's a slider down away that you go and chase for strike three. That is not a sequence that's going to happen with Syndergaard. It's going to be, here's my sinker. Oh, you hit it. Okay. Oh, it's, it didn't go into a glove. Okay, that's a hit. Fine. I'm just going to keep throwing more stuff. That's the mentality. And it's, it's maddening to watch. And when it works, it's beautiful. It, it's just so inconsistent. And we just don't see, we don't see methodical domination from Syndergaard. And I don't think we're going to get there. Nick, if I am going to take a starting pitcher in the second round, uh, and again, this is 15-team leagues, assuming that Clevenger and Walker Bueller are gone, the pitcher that I keep finding myself wanting to take is Shane Bieber. And you know what's actually crazy? We have the same exact projection for Shane Bieber. When I saw that today, (laughs) I freaked out. I said 3.40 ERA, 1.10 whip. You know, he might not have the same type of upside as other players going in that range, but I feel like the floor is so, so safe when it comes to Shane Bieber. Also, we were sitting in the same studio where last year I told you that I had Shane Bieber. I think it was like inside my top 25 or inside my top 20, and you pushed back a little bit on it. So I'm going to give myself a pat sure on the did. back. Oh, but yeah. at the One same of the few time, things you got, right? At the same time, I'm also going to remind everyone that I had Chris Archer inside my top 30, and Nick Pollock told me that I was crazy for doing so. So that's where I'm going to go and give uh, Nick a bunch of credit there on calling Chris Archer regressing massively last season. But how do you feel about Shane Bieber overall? Like, are you currently comfortable with where he is going? Because again, uh, like I have him as my SP7. So like once Clevenger and uh, Bueller are gone, he's the next starting pitcher up that I'm looking at in that, you know, round two, round three range. Right. Uh, yeah, nice job with Bieber, by the way. It, it, that was a case of, uh, it's kind of, it was kind of like Syndergaard because we wanted Bieber to do that. And uh, props on you for, for ranking him there. 
Um, so, uh, so with Bieber, I actually have him in eight. I have sale above. I, it was a case, I think seven to 11. So that's sale, Bieber, Strasburg, Flaherty, Snell for me. That could have been in so many different orders. Um, probably not a Flaherty though, much higher, <laughs> but, uh, with Bieber, it's puzzling because you have this really, really good curveball and slider. And the biggest jump that he made in 2019 was actually dealing with lefties. He had a near 400 batting average against hey, lefties Nick, in I, 2018. I, I, I have some breaking news. I have to interrupt you. Yes. I apologize. Uh, mm-hmm. The New York Yankees just announced that James Paxton underwent a microscopic lumbar disectomy, which removed a paradisal cyst. The surgery was performed by Dr. Andrew, Doc, uh, Andrew Dossett in Dallas. His approximate timeline to return to the major league action is in three to four months. You're looking at the all-star break or so for James Paxton. So Jordan Montgomery becomes super interesting now at the end of drafts, right? He's the uh, the sixth starter currently. You yep. have uh, Jay Happ as the five. Yep. And we're kind of wondering if, if, I call him the bear because Jordan like from Game of Thrones. Uh, so that's a fascinating late round pick there because that was someone had a 12.5% swing strike rate in 2017. And then Tommy John hit in 2018, missed all 2019 with that as well. Uh, there's some surprising upside there. So I would definitely pin him for the later rounds now, especially, I mean, the Yankees would probably go with that. You have Domingo Herman who's suspended yeah. and you have Jonathan Loisiga, who's also intriguing as well. And wonder if the Yankees are going to use him more of as a reliever or as a starter instead. Uh, I would think Jormont has now the easy street to that fifth spot. Uh, fascinating Paxton though. Ooh, he has to go way down in drafts. I mean, I just feel terrible for him. Uh, he's never had that 200 inning season. We feel like he should have. A microscopic lumbar dissectomy sounds like the back, right? That's where the lumbar is. So I guess it's something mm-hmm. uh, with his back and also move the cyst. That, that's not good. Terrible. You, don't, you don't know that he comes back healthy. It's also his free agent year, so you wonder what that's going to do to his value. Where would you take James Paxton now? I mean, I know, listen, this just broke 30 seconds ago, and I'm just throwing this at you. I understand that. But where would you take no, James that's- Paxton now? So there's a cliff that happens around uh, the 50s or so where you're starting to get into the realm of, okay, I've gone past the pitchers that I feel like they could be a part of my rotation for the full year. Now it's time for me to take chances, right? That happens around the 50s, 60s, 12 teamers. You can start there, honestly, and put him on the IL if you want. Make sure it's a three IL league. I suggest that everywhere to do that. It's just such a pain when you have to draft someone because they're just on the IL and you have no more roster spots. So I would say we're going to see a lot of that from James Paxton. Um, most likely in deeper leagues, 15 teamers or so, you just can't afford to hold on to that for so long. You don't know what you're going to get when you come back. He goes much farther uh, in, in 15 teamers. I would say the 80s or something like that off the top of my head. Maybe maybe mid 70s. But yeah, it's it's a very scary proposition. You see how upset Frankie is. He uh, not only is he a Yankee fan, but he also about five minutes before the show began uh, selected James Paxton in his draft champions that's going on at the moment. He wanted to draft Sonny Gray. His partner no. said, I really want James Paxton. Uh, so he drafted James Paxton. Uh, and that's the look of someone that is both upset and angry. Oh, gosh, Craig. This is... Uh there are a few things that could have been worse than what you just announced on the show here, uh, especially regarding my draft change. Really just regarding baseball, right? Like, you know, there's a lot of other things worse that could have been announced. But. No, yeah, obviously. That's why I said regarding my team. But James Paxton, yeah, I took him in the sixth round. I was debating him or, uh, or Sonny Gray. Uh, and, of course, we ended up going with James Paxton. So, yay! Yay me. That's, uh, that's terrible. Uh, yeah, I, I don't see how you could take him inside the top 
60 starting pitchers. I mean, even then, like, you don't know what he's going to give you, if anything, this year, uh, especially if you're drafting in these draft and holds. Uh, like, he's going to plummet way down draft boards. And, you know, with these NFBC leagues, there is no IL, Greg. So the 50-round uh, draft champions league is, and there you go. Uh, you know, someone must be watching the show because Sonny Gray just got drafted. <laughs> I don't like Sonny Gray for the record. <laughs> All right. Well, at least that makes me feel a little bit better, Nick. And neither do I, Nick. But he doesn't listen to me. He listens to you. Yeah, I only listen to you. Nick, <laughs> go ahead. Prop up a pitcher list again. Let us know what you got going on over at the site. Uh, you just released your top 20 starting pitchers rankings again. Thank you so much again wait, 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 for the show. Do, I got no, another question. Right here. Right, no, 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 wait, no, no, I got no, another no. question. Yeah. Nick, Nick. Uh, <laughs> yes, you, right, you, go you, ahead. I appreciate it. Last question. I know we have about a minute. Sure. Um, Frank mentioned, we talked about Bieber and some of these guys that broke through this, broke through last year. Who is this year's guy? Oh, man. Uh, there are a couple. Griffin Canning, Mitch Keller, Joe Musgrove are the first two that come to mind. Uh, I would definitely be targeting them at the end of all drafts. Joe Musgrove, are we doing this again? Oh my Draft! God. Joe Musgrove! Nick, tell us everything you yes. got going on at Pitcher List. <laughs> yeah, we just released a new site, 5.0. It's incredible. Uh, amazing pitch type leaderboards that are going to expand through the year. We're going to have this amazing section to monitor how pitches performed last night just based on velocity and usage and whiff rates. It's incredible. Cannot wait for that. And of course, we have the list dropping every Monday through the year. The top 100 starters with my roundup every day of every starting pitching performance. So definitely check it out. There you go, Nick Pollock. We appreciate this day starting pitching come back soon man come in the studio dude uh, sounds great I would love that alright for Nick Pollock and Frank Stample I am Greg Sussman thanks to Danny Auto and Alex Pisano downstairs Pharrell Coast to Coast is coming up next we'll do it all again tomorrow we, we hope, hope.